the simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Mark Florka. With 45 years of industry experience, Mark knows the ins and outs of baking. He is Bakerpedia's community forum manager and baking instructor. He's here to share knowledge and help you grow connections. You're listening to the Baked In Science Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 60th episode of Baked In Science. What a milestone! Today, I'll be speaking with Anne Hurst Stenbeck of Arla Food Ingredients, who will share with us how the pandemic launched their marketing into the metaverse, so to speak, at least. Join me in this fascinating journey. Welcome, bakers, to another podcast from Baked in Science. And today, I have a very dear guest with us from Arla Foods in Denmark. I have the head of strategic marketing, and it's Anne Hurst. Did I say that correctly, Anne? <laughs> yes, it's Anne Hurst Steinbeck. That's me. Anne yes. Hurst Steinbeck. <laughs> and Anne, you've you've been in the industry in the food industry for quite a while. I saw that you were actually going way back to uh, Dupont Denisco days, and you have been with Arla Foods as their head of strategic development and marketing for about six years now. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's correct. Yes. And so, what have you what have you been up to there these days? I mean, there's been a lot going on with the pandemic and everything. So, what can you share with us? Well, actually, I think the pandemic has made us even more busy than we were before the pandemic, and and the main reason for that is that, uh, as I think for a lot of other business to business companies, all foods and ingredients way of promoting was completely disrupted uh, during the pandemic. Um, because the way we used to promote our solutions was uh, using the trade shows, uh, the face-to-face mm-hmm. trade shows at Windows, and suddenly they were all cancelled. And that really made us, forced us to think differently, what are we going to do? And I think as a lot of other companies, very quickly, we went, went to online customer meetings and, and to, uh, to doing webinars. And I think being in in the middle of of all that, of course, that made us a lot more busy because we had to rethink everything and we had to consider: Did we want to continue to book up for trade shows? Did we believe that they were going to happen or or not? And then at the same time, we had to keep the schedule on on doing these webinars to at least get some attention on on the solutions uh, we were launching mm-hmm. and. And then, of course, the same thing happened to us as to many others, that uh, everybody were into webinars. So suddenly we were overwhelmed by webinars from all places. And and that made us start thinking that that if we were going to stand out, we had to do better than that. And and the first step we took was investing in our own webinar platform instead of constantly having to buy the service from from outside and that do- did save us some money um, but we also learned that uh, it's not so easy I mean it, it, it does take a lot of preparation to set up a webinar and mm-hmm. to make sure to invite the right people and I think you probably know 
much more about that in Vegapedia. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, it's, uh, that's. But it, it's something that we enjoy. I mean, of, of course, our our in, in some ways similar to there are some cer certain similarities in that our webinars are, of course, uh, free of charge to our members, and we're always uh, way ahead of what you see online. And, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this: is you you've got to have a bunch of things. And irons in the fire, so to speak, um, because yeah, a lot of research goes into it. And while you know, uh, I acknowledge while Dr. Lin is primarily the face of Bakerpedia, um, there's a whole team behind her, mm -hmm. and we we all support uh, the entire vision of Bakerpedia. And and that's I'm sure what was critical in your developing this digital strategy as well. Doing these way, starting doing this webinar that did help us a lot, um, but. Still, it did not solve one of our biggest issues, uh, and that was the fact that we couldn't invite people into our pilot labs. Mm -hmm. And we actually see that as one of our competitive advantages, that we have a, a very big application service and technology department. And, and that knowledge uh, about how our ingredients can create value in our customers' products uh, conveying those that message uh, or pilot labs have, has been and for, for many years uh, the big advantage of ours and during the pandemic of course we couldn't invite anybody into that mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so we started thinking how can we make that digital and, and that was actually what started considerations whether we should invest in a studio and, and that's actually where we also ended up that we invested in in this studio and, and a lot of people were thinking okay a broadcasting studio that's crazy i mean that's wild but actually when we started evaluating we actually we believe that going forward this will save us both a lot of time but also a lot of money mm -hmm. and the reason for that is that um, we we built this this broadcasting studio and what we can do there is that we can we can have live feed from the pilot production. So that means that we can have ordinary Teams meetings with our customers and we can have our AS&T experts in the pilot plant and online they can show how things work out. They can test things for customers. And we also invested in an equipment that's really precise and can zoom in so you can even see the labeling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what we learned was that now we can have many more customers in that pilot lab uh, as opposed to the past because as many other ingredient, food ingredient companies, a lot of our customers are competing with each other. So if you have one customer over, you cannot have another one over the same day because it, it does, we, we, can't, we, we couldn't handle that. But mm -hmm. now we can actually have up to three customers a day mm -hmm. because they are they're not visiting us i mean they're just online plus i see the you know there, there's they the customers save on the travel cost it is much easier to schedule for scheduling to find the time to do that when when yeah. all you have to do is you know like i remember with webinars what what we would do when when i was working full-time was to gather a group of people together in a conference room and watch the, you know, the whole thing together. So now you weren't limited to by budgets and that, well, only, only Jack and Jill can go and the rest of you have to stay, right? And um, so yeah. it brings in so many advantages on both sides of the equation, right? Um, yeah, precisely. I mean, and, you know, the hands-on, uh, as the pandemic subsides, I do believe that the hands-on uh, 
tactile thing will never completely go away, but it's going to become a, a more special rarity, I think. I think it's going to become something that is, as, as you're getting, you know, you have a more uh, mature relationship with the customer and uh, dealing with a specific problem, not just promoting a product, so to speak, mm. then that is that makes more sense. And then then people in that sense will actually have by roundabout way, more travel budget money because now they're not spending it going to all of these things. They can focus on travel budget specifically related to their product development and things. And so, and that's that's a very yeah. smart move. That's excellent. So, so going forward, I mean, the marketing plan that we have done for next year, um, obviously we will go to much less trade shows. In the past, we actually visited approximately 10 trade shows exhibited and 10 trade shows a year because we are targeting six different sub-industries in the food mm -hmm. industry and across four different regions. So so we've been very busy doing all these shows. And in the future, we will do much less of that. But we will continue to do trade shows, but only in the in the regions where relationship and face-to-face -face is still key, for example, in China or in Saudi Arabia, in, in the mm -hmm. Middle East. We don't think that we can do with webinars uh, on our own, but whereas uh, in, in the US and in Europe, we, we actually believe that we can go very far with, with webinars. So, so we, are, we are scaling down uh, on the activity, on the face-to-face -face trade show activity. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then, of course, we have a lot of discussions on when it comes to customer communication, customer meetings, which meetings should be face to face, because I fully agree also with, with what you are saying. I mean, digital cannot stay alone. It cannot stand alone. It, we can cope with it. The pandemic shows, the lockdown shows, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, prove to us that we, we can do it. But is it the optimal way? I don't think so. I really think that it's a combination uh, of the two, as you were also uh, pointing yep. out. Uh, absolutely. Mark. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if you're aware. I used to work for Archer Daniels Midland. I was positioned in Decatur, Illinois. You know, we were experiencing at the time ADM catching up in the, the digitization and then becoming a little bit more of a leader. Um, I still remember, I'm old enough to remember, uh, maybe unfortunately, but uh, uh, I'm old enough to remember when the company had objections to even using email. It was, uh, you know, back in the 90s, in the late 90s. And so it, uh, and, uh, so it, it, it took a while to kind of change things. You know, just as an example of how much a company like ADM ADM has changed. I just read in the uh, uh, online the other day is that uh, ADM is now moving forward with investing in SAP, um, and which is a huge for the number of products that they have and everything. It's a, a massive investment. And um, but yeah, we had a lot of digitization taking place. Uh, we moved into more and more online meetings, um, like we're doing here now. With now everybody uses Zoom. Back then we were using link by microsoft and yeah, uh yeah. <laughs> um and you know i i i've always have had an affinity for technology so i was assisting the it group from a user's perspective as to what we needed in the conference rooms and, and things like that and so it was you know it was wonderful and so they are you know i'm sure they were you know counting their blessings as they started to come back into the building that they had all of this all 
ready to go for the for the digital world of the pandemic uh, because I mean otherwise you wouldn't be be able to meet as easily with your customers I mean it's kind of hard to crown crowd eight people around a laptop <laughs> um, so. yes <laughs> yes it is <laughs> and and so, so what you you mentioned that you 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 focused on like precise and high quality equipment what kind of challenges do you think you ran into that um, you would maybe do differently if you were to do it again and, and anything that you could recommend for people to look out for, um, uh, whether it be equipment um, mismatch yeah. or, or things like that? or Yeah, I, I think um, for us, it was a completely new, new ball game. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't have any journalists employed or any uh, film producer people. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we didn't know anything about it at all. And then we started asking around now, Al is a big company. So we, we got a lot of different recommendations. And I mean, in the beginning, we, we thought that maybe we could build it ourselves mm -hmm. uh, and buy the equipment and get it established and so on. Um, and and being on the way into that, we just realized that it's much too complex, and there are so many things you have to take into consideration: having the right right light setting, and and also how where to place the control room, and mm -hmm. and 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 everything has to be. I mean, also the the light coming from outside. I mean, where can you place a a, mm -hmm. a studio like this? Um, and and in the end, we then chose to follow a recommendation to to uh, to get a supplier could deliver the full solution. And I think that that has really made everything so easy from one day mm -hmm. to the, to the other. And we had a, a studio that was up and running from from day one. Perfect. Yeah. And and I think um, what I would recommend now we have worked with it for for half a year uh, approximately. And we actually chose to um, to hire in uh, a freelance uh, producer uh, who is taking or a technical person who's taking care of uh, of all the, the technicalities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, if 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 our sales colleagues they just want to do uh, a customer meeting on Teams and they want to have the live feed from 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 the pilot lab, it, it's not an issue. We don't need to have a technical coming in for that mm -hmm. um, but when we do the big webinars uh, where we are, uh, are both having sample presentations and we have multiple speakers and um, Q&A's afterwards and so on then it's very very convenient to have a person running everything from the technical room so I think that's what I would recommend and, and, and actually there's a lot of guys out there and most photographers uh, are, are able today to run the technical part so it's 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 easy to find someone to to yeah. help out, and and you don't need it all the time. I think uh, currently we have a person three three days a week uh, who's Perfect, coming yeah. in and yeah. and helping us out, and so that's approximately half, maybe six percent of the mm -hmm. time operating uh, in the studio that mm -hmm. we need somebody, in. and that's for the big broadcastings uh, mm -hmm. that we we invite them in. That's a great suggestion, yeah, because yeah, uh, all too often we we want to, you know, further save cost, so to speak, is, is what the, the thought is. And then 
But what ends up happening in the long run is that it actually ends up costing more and the quality is poor. Um, whereas, a, you know, that was a very smart move to uh, uh, hire in a company that knows what they're doing and, and have a, a part-time producer on site for that. That is actually the, the best way to go. I mean, I see that. That's incredible, right? And, um, you know, and if I look at how Bakerpedia, how, how we produce things, is it's very similar. I mean, it's it, that's why... Our seminars are so popular and, and um, look so good it's, it's thanks to the the people behind it. That's wonderful to hear, and um, and you know, and I enjoy hearing because I'm a big proponent of that. I mean, I've I've uh, I've worked with too many situations where people want to go in cutting corners first, and it's like, oh, my. <laughs> stop, stop, yeah. stop, right? Um, yeah. Penny wise and yeah. pound foolish. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and then I think I also want to share that actually our marketing budget hasn't increased because mm -hmm. we invested in the studio. We, during the pandemic, we took an active decision that we wanted to regain control of the situation. So all the trade shows we were signed off for uh, and we had budgeted to go to, we cancelled them. So instead of waiting whether they were going to get cancelled or not, we, we cancelled the participation. So actually, it was the budget that we usually spent on visiting trade shows that we spent building the studio. And going forward next year, we, as I mentioned before, next year we will only be present at four big uh, venues. So that means that the money saved from participating on a lot of different or exhibiting on a lot of different shows is now going into funding a technician who will help us out when we do the big, big broadcasts. So really, I think um, maybe it, it sounds, uh, yes, we, we did go all the way. And that's also taking the consequence of now we made the decision. We want to become more, more digital. We want to become more professional in, in our way of being digital. We want to stand out. And, and the, the studio is a relatively big investment in mm -hmm, cameras mm -hmm. and lighting and maybe we even have to build some of the room um so we also want return on investment so so it was an active decision that it should work i mean when when our colleagues they came in the first time to do a show we should just help them out so that they look great and it just worked out 100 percent, so that they felt comfortable in it because it is it is changing people's ways of working and the pandemic helped because we were desperate to do, yes. to get in contact. And, and we, we, I guess we all started to get used to sitting in front of a camera too. I mean, uh, exactly. I think that is that is sometimes the the hardest part for many people is to to get over the camera looking at you. And uh, yeah. and what if you say or do something wrong? It's um, uh, it's it's like doing a presentation in that sense. If you're standing up in front of a customer or if you're on camera, it's about the same thing. And so it's it's, uh, it's not a big difference. And it's just to relax and be yourself and be the expert that they came to hear. Well, I thank you very much for your time. And this has been very informative. I look forward to chatting with you again in the future and, and enjoying some of your webinars as, uh, as things go forward. This has been very informative and really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. It's been a pleasure to participate.
Thank you for listening and learning with me about the amazing changes I am sure we will see more of in the future. That's it for me for this episode. Join me in the next one and join us in the Baking Industry Professional Groups on Facebook and LinkedIn. Bye for now.